Welcome everybody to the Vinnie Eastwood Show. We'll be getting the uh, backup live stream running in just a moment. Just before we do, bear in mind that this is a listener-supported program. Uh, so go to thevinnieeastwoodshow.com and donate today. There is a uh, PayPal buttons, Patreon and Kiwi Bank as well. If you happen to be a Kiwi and you want to support us that way, ladies and gentlemen, automatic payments are the go. All right, with that said, uh, let's start the show. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Vinnie Eastwood Show, the lighter side of genocide. Just because we're being exterminated doesn't mean we can't make it fun. Otherwise, what's the point of being killed? The Vinnie Eastwood Show, where the only thing worse than living in a high-tech global police state, run by satanic pedophiles, is Vinnie's jokes. Now, uh, my very special guest today is uh, Billy TK. We'll be going to him in just a moment. He's uh, sharing out links and, and things of that nature, trying to get people here. I've got a baby. He's got a political party baby. So it's like we're both rushing around like new fathers kind of thing. Just crazy. Um, and I've been watching a number of uh, my uh, colleagues in, on YouTube in New Zealand's uh, videos lately, Terry Opines and uh, Cross the Rubicon. And there's been a lot of uh, criticism and, and things like that being leveled, uh, which I don't think is necessarily justified um, so just to remind people that when you want to confirm a fact you need to ask those questions who what when where how and why why is the last question you ask you don't say this person speaking there why is that oh are they a communist you know that that kind of thing uh, because you're supposed to put your grammar before your logic you're supposed to figure out what the actual facts are before you start pontificating on it and uh, with that said we're going to go back to Billy now Billy, remember to unmute using that little uh, mute button there. And uh, here we go. Billy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Vinny. Kia ora. Hi, everyone. Hope everyone's well. So um, why did you change your mind? Because uh, after uh, going into uh, business for yourself and, and uh, having a whole lot of success and whatnot, why did you want to come out against satanic pedophiles and communists and things of that nature when you, when you must know uh, that it's going to cause a, a lot of hate, even amongst those people who you think would be your friends? Well, I think um, I'm just like any other ordinary Kiwi and I care about our country. I care about what sort of country that our kids have to grow up in. I care about um, our country not going into uh, financial hardship because people um, are reacting to a, a criminal scam, such as the COVID-19 health scamdemic. Um, I care very deeply that our rights and freedoms are protected. Um, I've, I've, been, I've served in services to the community all throughout my life since I was a young boy, and um, I, couldn't get, I couldn't keep silent as to what was going on, that I was seeing that this government was destroying the very thing that we love about New Zealand um, and using this crisis as a measure to destroy democracy, rights and freedoms, our environment, our economy. And uh, I'm sorry, I couldn't walk away from that, knowing that what I know, I've been studying geopolitics for 20 years and uh, and seeing this all come together the way it has rolled out. Um, I had to speak up about it because I had the information as to why I believe this was happening. And indeed, it's rolling out exactly how I've stated it since my first broadcast to Facebook 19 weeks ago. Mm, mm. Now, I've been uh, kind of hip to this thing for a, a good 10 years, and uh, it's a it's a measure of how well compartmentalised the system is. Even if you're involved with the system, even, if, even at reasonably high levels, you don't even get an inkling of what's really happening or what the true agenda long term is until you really start buckling down and researching. And I theorise that there's a possibility that the government's lockdown procedure that was supposed to train us to be willing slaves actually gave us a lot of time to research into slavery itself. Oh, exactly. Um, what they didn't probably provision in, in their strategy for the lockdown is that it actually gave people lots of time like me to, to really think through what was happening and, and to start researching it from a critical thinking perspective where you start doing what I call um, examining the, the chain of evidence and the chain of actors and players in this whole narrative. And when you break that down and study it, you don't actually have to scratch below the surface too much to find contradictions, lies and ultimately false science behind this narrative. It actually uh, seems kind of like 
like when I was a drug dealer, I'm a convicted drug dealer. Like they caught me with 13 grams of cannabis for sale when I was 20 <laughs> when I was 20 years old, and uh, they wanted to put me in jail for up to eight years for a first offence. So I'm I'm technically wow. a criminal, ladies and gentlemen. But you know why I got busted? I got knocked on. How do you get knocked on? You sell to people you don't you don't know. And uh, the one rule of criminal activity is don't raise suspicion. Because as soon as somebody becomes suspicious, then they'll start investigating you and you've essentially got no protection. And so what actually made you suspicious? Because you've, you've actually, I've saw you've, uh, you've talked with the World Bank and, and, and stuff like that, like top globalist yep. uh, uh, scumbag fronts uh, kind of thing. Um, so, so explain about that. So what we did is that when, when we're on the, um, uh, the the trip to the United Nations to get funding to try and, I guess, hustle some funding out of the United Nations Development Programme for a Māori and worldwide um, Indigenous event in New Zealand, um, what they like to do is they like to have Indigenous nights where they just basically put on free free boozes and free food for everyone. So all the all the Indigenous whānau go and have a <laughs> go have a night. One night it could be World Bank. One night it could be UNDP one night it could be a First Nations freedom rights movement, and um, and so what you do is you go to these things to go along to network with the other Indigenous family that you meet, and that's when I say Indigenous Fano too, just be aware I'm talking about Celtic people, I'm, I'm talking about um, the Sami people from Northern Scandinavia, as well as the Africans, the South Americans, the you know, Pacific people, North Americans, and all that. So it's a global thing of of people that are fighting for rights and and uh, for freedom and you know when you go to these things they're great opportunities to network but what what you leave with is a is a sense of what a great farce it is because what they're ultimately trying to do which is what we're seeing now in New Zealand is that um, they use money to buy loyalty and compliance and that's exactly what's happening in New Zealand right now with the way that the government is handing out money left right and centre to buy loyalty and compliance and ultimately votes and people are sleeping through this and one of the big um, calls to action that I'm, I'm, I'm sending out is to let the Māori leadership know that they're being fooled and that when they ultimately um, comply with the requests of this government, they're actually destroying New Zealand in the process. And that's something that I'm speaking loud against. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it always comes down to money. I said yesterday in my presentation, there's two things that they use against politicians to, to get you to do their thing. Number one is sex. Number two is money, and um, and if you're not open and and um, alert to that, you're being very very naive. And so I'm completely aware that that's how how it functions, and staying well away from it. Mm, mm. So it's well. My first assessment was uh, after listening to your speech at the uh, the what what was that the uh, the Belt Road Initiative or something like that. I was like, yeah, here's a guy who's very accomplished in life, very confident in himself, has the has the stature of a statesman, but is being deceived, being played for a fool, and they're trying to turn him into a useful idiot to be their tool. <laughs> right? Is that is that a fair assessment? Well. Well, no, because you've got to be uh, – yes and no, actually, to be fair. I think what you've got to do is – my job at that that event was to go along and see what sort of business we can drum up for the Māori economy. That's That was it. Um, I didn't go along as a as a um, person that was sold on anything. I was going along to do what I did when I went overseas for the Indigenous um, festival that we're working on to see what sort of opportunities existed for, for Māori businesses that I was advising, and that was it. And ultimately what happened from that, we got our – we got our eyes um, open pretty quickly because when you started to negotiate with, with Chinese people, and I just want to mention right now, not any stage was there any mention of, of the selling of land. That was, you know, people, I've, I've had other minor party um, supporters saying that we're trying to sell Māori land. That's absolutely bull. That's absolute nonsense. But what we were there to do was to see if we could find better avenues of selling our produce, um, you know, anything from our logs for better pricing, um, to our beef, to our, our our lamb that we sell, our fish. That's what I was there to do, and so and that's why I've kept that blinking video up there on my. Um, um, I posted it on my Facebook so people could actually have a listen to what I'm saying, and I'm clearly saying that the uh, the Maori economy is a is a is a viable place to do business, and that was my message, and I stand by that message today. But what we've got to do as a country is protect our sovereignty while doing trade. 
And what my eyes have been open to is that part of our sovereignty message that we're talking about as, as a national, uh, national independence message is that, you know, the world wants our produce, wants our, um, our beef, our lamb, our trees, wants our milk, our butter, our cheese and produce. Um, we don't have to give anything away. We can sell it for the top price and we don't have to give our sovereignty away with it. And so that's something that I'm very, very strong on because I've seen it up close what can happen. And the funny thing is, and this is not to generalise, and I want to be clear up front with that, but, you know, typically the people, the Chinese businesses that we were dealing with were were very, very difficult and um, kept on changing the perimeters of the deals that we're trying to do. You'd think you'd agreed on the price and then they'd want to increase, decrease it by two cents. And um, and what we did, um, we just looked at it and thought, hey, look, this is a rabbit hole. It's a dead end. And uh, we're certainly not going to, um, going to waste any more time on it. And to prove my point on that, we were invited to go to an, um, to a big conference in China itself. All expenses paid, you know, flash hotel and all that. And we declined it. Right up front, we declined it, sent them a lovely letter of decline and got on with our lives because we knew that this was a, was a, it was a ruse. It was going to go nowhere. And the Belt and Road um, Initiative, as we all know now, is just, it's just invasion by trade rather than by military force. Now, to explain that uh, to people in the United States, there was a project called the Trans-Texas National Corridor, which would be uh, creating large freeway systems, I think eight lanes, uh, running all the way from uh, Mexico City uh, up through Texas and into Kansas and various other areas of the United States. Now, this is how uh, they managed to get this initiative through. The people who were building this big project were being built as, were building it as private contractors. So they were taking money from the government in order to build a giant toll road, which they would then collect money from the people afterwards. And they had guaranteed income clauses in that as well. Now, the entire public, essentially, along every step of the route of this giant uh, uh, infrastructure project, had local journalists and things of that nature ringing the alarm bells. So what did these contractors do? They purchased every single media outlet along the route of the Trans-Texas Corridor. So, you know, this is what is happening, uh, ladies and gentlemen. If the truth is getting out, they'll try and shut out that truth, as they tried to shut you out uh, just recently when you talked about vaccines, and then you got restricted by Facebook for 30 days. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen. Here is our our, our alleged, according to some communist infiltrator, Billy TK, who's getting censored off of social media for telling the truth about vaccines. I mean, obviously, his establishment is hell, bro. Oh yeah, look, um, and that and that's, you know, golly, my my life is probably the most easiest life to peer into, um, of any any wannabe politician. I mean, I've been a musician most of my life, as you know, Vinny, and um, golly, you know, a lot of people have been to my concerts and gigs and 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 seen <laughs> seen what I am. And on the side of being a musician, I've had a little business time to um, to help pay for my artistic career. And that's that's really what my life is. But the other week, last week, when um, you know, I was really shocked. So we had a family from from Papatoya get in touch with me. Their little girl had been bullied by district nurses to try and accept um, vaccination. That that the parents had said no, they didn't want that for their child. It was the HPV vaccination. Um, the little girl was left alone with these um, district nurses who then tried to. Um, enforce uh, mandatory vaccination on this young girl who so bravely, she's only 12, this kid, stood up against and said, no, my parents said, no, the school knows that we've said, no, I'm not taking it. And they tried to emotionally blackmail her and all sorts of little tricks. And what happened is this, the mum got in touch with me, um, who I was in touch with again today. I sent her a message just to get an update and, um, and said how distraught the girl was, how angry they were that this sort of situation would arise. So what I did within five minutes of getting this conversation um, over with, I was up on um, Facebook just alluding all the parents across New Zealand that this is what's happening and we need to be vigilant. By the end of the day, I'd been banned for 30 days from doing any more live broadcasts. And so we've had to think very carefully how um, we are able to continue to do that. We've got a provision now uh, to do that. And so that's why I've been able to to do a couple of posts in the last few days, which will start making regular again. But, um, you know, the door's closing down. Um, people that support me, they're having strange things with their Facebook accounts happen right now. Uh, my team, we've gone through communication blackout periods. It's just, you know, absolutely freaky. And the funny thing is, is that I don't hear of any other, any of, of the other parties going through anything like this. 
So why us? I think it's um, as as I said on the uh, the start of the threat. Uh, oh, sorry, the first show that we did. It's the level of threat that you pose. Okay, can you uh, can you be considered a credible threat to the establishment? And that is determined by two factors: competency and PR. Essentially, that that's about it. Uh, can you competently do the job of prime minister, and do you have the public relations uh, capacity uh, to communicate your ideas to people in ways that they will accept? Now, if you have a look at any of the minor parties, any of them, you won't find either of those two things. I've looked. I've been looking for years for somebody who's got competence and the ability to get their ideas across competently. Haven't found it yet until you turned up. And that's so, but I'm still suspicious, Billy. I got, I got to say, I'm still suspicious. I don't, um, I don't give my uh, endorsement to any human being uh, uh, willy nilly, you know, so to speak. <laughs> but, but um, at this, at this point, I mean, I watched a uh, first part of an interview that you did with this uh, this guy in England, was it? Um, and John Beppin. Yeah, yeah, and you talked about uh, actually the satanic background of the uh, the United Nations, and I'm like, well, well this yeah. is this has never been talked about by a political candidate before. So um, for those of you who are skeptical of Billy, I mean, uh, I I am I was too. Now all the red flags that I've seen have been basically outnumbered maybe a ten to one by the green flags I've seen. You know, like tick, 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 tick. Yeah, that's that's kind of it. Uh, so it's going to come to a point where uh, I'll recognize that, hey, these people aren't attacking Billy because they've got evidence. They're attacking him because he's got the attention that they wanted, which they don't have the competency to obtain. Yeah, and that's what it's looking like. I mean... I actually had a um, really heartfelt um, message um, earlier from a lady that had emailed me, and I just want to say to everyone, you know, I've got well over 2,000 unanswered Facebook requests because we've got no more room left to accept them on my Facebook. Um, unless they go to the official Billy Ticker Hicker page, then we can have unlimited friends. I can do that now. But on my personal Facebook, where I still get most of my, of my messaging and my Facebook requests, friend requests, I've got over 2,000 unanswered ones. I've got over well over 500 unanswered Facebook messages, which really disturbs me because, you know, one of the things that I say to people is that I really care and I love, I love the people and I love hearing from them and it just it really disturbs me personally that I can't answer them more because if I'd start it, then, then, you know, I take my eye off the most important thing that I need to do right now, which is to get this message out about our rights and freedoms being destroyed and our economy and our sovereignty with it. And, um, you know, and this lady said to me, look, you know, that she was, um, she wants to believe in me. She's just scared. She's she's scared for herself and her kids. And I just said to her, look, you know, for me, um, I I had a very comfortable life. I was concerned and deeply distressed by what I was seeing, um, but I, I stuck my neck out to do this because of the of the amount of people that were reaching out to me to do so, and I couldn't ignore it. But on, during this journey, you know, I've I've now I'm pretty sure that I'm going to lose my my business out of it. Um, I've been told that um, a, um, a couple of applications that we had for the uh, for, from the PGF fund or the um, provincial growth fund, and also with um, the post uh, crisis economic de uh, development package, we had a couple of applications, and I've been told now uh, categorically, yeah, good luck, buddy. You ain't going to be getting any of this money because of what I'm saying against the government. And we've I've got people right now that would testify that they've received calls from the government telling them that, in fact, from the Labour Party. So I'm going to be straight up on, on the nose on that. Um, I've put my house at risk because I'm not working. Um, I'm doing this. Um, and I almost put my marriage at risk because my wife didn't want me to do this. And thankfully, my wife is 100% behind me now, praise God. But, I, you know, she was basically saying to me, if you do this, you know, you're going to have to move out. And... Um, you know, that's, that's what I have on the line and had on the line. And I'm doing this for one, one reason. I know that now's the time and that if we don't come together and beat this government back, we've lost our country. And there is nothing more important to defend than that. And that's why, you know, they, I've got people calling me all sorts of disgusting things and names and that. And they're, they're the very people I'm putting my life and my livelihood and my home and my family's well-being on the line to defend. 
the very same people that call me a scumbag, asswipe, um, communist, secret Chinese um, Communist Party agent, a UN agent, those same people that call me that are the very same people I'm putting myself on the line for. And so what we've decided is that we're not going to focus on that. We're going to stay on point, and that is to get New Zealand Public Party into government to fix the zoo up. That's right. Now, I recall a uh, conversation that I had with a man named Christopher Bolin, and uh, he was an expert on 9-11 and, and all of that kind of thing. And I asked him once, what is a shell? And he said, well, there's, there's, there's two types of people in the movement. There are truthers and there are shills. Truthers speak about truth, and they usually uh, uh, speak about it in a way of, here's a fact, here's a fact, here's a fact, here's backup evidence for that, here's backup evidence for that. That's a truther. Shills, on the other hand, don't focus on the facts and the evidence, they focus on the personalities. That guy's a shill, I don't like him, he's a communist, you know, that, that kind of thing. They make it all about the personality, and they, can, and they forget almost completely about this thing called evidence facts you know uh, that kind of thing so you know again as i say um there's a little personality trait it's called the failed narcissist all right so when you're a narcissist like me you, you, you've got this huge grandiose uh, uh, view of yourself and when you see somebody else who's doing what you want to do who is where you want to be you get really angry and resentful with them because i should be there i you haven't done the work, son. Okay, that's why you're not there. You haven't done X amount of things to get yourself there. That's why you're a failed narcissist as opposed to a successful one, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, no, good point. And, and I think that's what it comes down to because um, what, we, what we're doing now is that we, we have um, found a party that has absolutely agreed to put their own interests aside to, to allow us to use their party shell um, so that New Zealand Public Party can compete in these elections. And the thing that absolutely astounds me, and you and I were talking about it before we came on here, is that, um, um, you know, the other minor parties, you know, that we've been dealing with have just been so hostile. But we understand this, and I've said this to the other party leaders that I've spoken to, I absolutely get how hard it must be to, to invest the 10, 20, 50-plus years and trying to get in Parliament, and then suddenly, out of bloom and nowhere, some 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 Maori from the bush up north, um, you know, he plays guitar, suddenly strips across the political um, um, sphere, and um, and just as part of a, a a a movement that is so massive as the New Zealand Public Party movement is, suddenly turns up and and steals the thunder. And that was never my intention. It's just the consequence of the people's movement that it is, and it's. Um, I'm pragmatic. I just have one goal, and that's to get this blooming government out and to stop National going in to do the same thing that this government wants to do, except with a blue jacket on. And, um, you know, so I deeply respect and understand that some people have put in massive amounts of work to get themselves in Parliament. But, you know, that's not what this is. This is about absolute pragmatism and with one intent and ob object uh, in mind, and that is to to get these guys out and protect our, ourselves because I keep saying it time and time again, you know, this is not a Māori issue, a Pākehā issue, a Chinese issue, a Taiwanese, African. It's an everyone's issue. And the sooner that we wake up to, a, to us all um, as, being, as being one unit that needs to unite together against this government, we're never going to change anything because they use, as you know, race as a, as a division, as a div dividing tactic. And, um, and I continually say to people, it's not about black lives mattering. It's about all lives mattering and that we all look after each other because right now in New Zealand, the entire world is watching us. I didn't realise that until yesterday when John Mappin, who has millions of people watching him every week, said to me that the amount of people that have emailed him from around the world in New Zealand asking that he interview me, and he said that there are some huge, um, important people that have been watching me for a while and, and they're getting ready to support us um, um, in the very near future to help us win this battle because they know that if New Zealand falls, the rest of the planet is going to fall. Why do I say that? Because we are the testing ground here, and what they will do here, they're going to roll out around the world. I believe the reverse is true as well. If we beat, if we kill the New World Order here, 
it can be like a domino effect. Other countries will, will follow our, our, our example and throw off the chains that bind them. That sounds like a really, really good thing. Um, oh, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to just take take a moment here to thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you, Billy, for that thousand bucks. We managed to get <laughs> our, we managed to get ourselves our car finally. So uh, we're going to be going uh, after the show uh, to pick it up. So thank you, Billy, for your grand. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for all your generous donations you donated like nearly four thousand dollars collectively ladies and gentlemen in just a few short weeks that is that is a huge amount of support for the show uh, that we've gotten um but unfortunately now completely out of money so we need about maybe five (laughs) so we need about another uh uh, 300 bucks at the minimum uh uh, to uh, ride out this week with our bills and costs just another 300 by friday and uh uh, ideally about 600 or so so if you do want to donate ladies and gentlemen you can donate through kiwi bank paypal or patreon the links are in the description and at the homepage of the vinnie eastwood show.com that's vinnie with a y because it's the most important question and eastwood like go ahead make my news now uh let's let's talk about this uh this uh, phraseology here because um as somebody who's been on the outside uh talking to activists of every single stripe pretty much i don't i don't know if there's a type of activist in this country that i've yet to give hours of airtime to so there's uh 1080 activists quick fire round what would what would you say to the 1080 activists oh 1080 is 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 an absolute important um, issue that we've got to absolutely sort out in New Zealand because the what what's come to my my attention over the last few weeks is I I've always been concerned about 1080. It's a poison. It's destroying our fenua. It's destroying our soil table, our water table. It's killing animals uh, nondescriptly, and it's just the disgusting thing. It needs to go. But there's another thing that's that's really become apparent to me. It's a it's a control tool. It's an absolute control tool, and the reason why I say that because under Agenda 2030, their whole objective is to get all humans into into special uh, into special high density um, urban zones, which we call super cities, and condense us all into this easily manageable uh, funnel. But what they do is that they create um, exclusive no no human go zones right in these SDA special designated areas as part of the Sustainable Development Goals. And what that means is if we in the city think stuff this, we want out of the society and we go bush, well, as Kiwis, we will do, you know, we'll live off the land, we will eat the animals in the forest, we will um, eat, eat the rungwa, the, the native um, herbs and foods that we can get in there, we can drink the water and that's all good. But if they poison everything, then you can't. So ultimately what this is about is not only environmentalism, but it's also about about control and controlling us, you know, so that there is no escape. And that's why 2030, the Agenda 2030 program, is just has to be nipped in the bud now because our Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has stated very clearly um, at the Bill and Melinda Gates uh, Foundation Goalkeepers event that her number one stated goal is to lead New Zealand ahead of the rest of the world and fully entrench this program of 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 um, control and totalitarianism in New Zealand and on New Zealanders, and that's what this whole thing is about. And if we don't stand up to that and protect our democracy, then nothing else matters because she's going to destroy it all, and they will destroy it all through the Agenda 2030 program. And that's not to be dramatic; that's an absolute fact. As when you study these things, and I was looking through the Agenda 21 handbook last night again just to make sure that I'm up to date with it. And it's everything that you can think of that they want to control, they're going to control it. And uh, we can't stand for that. And 1080 and getting rid of it is part of that democracy process so that they don't have that control over us. Next one, fluoride in the water. Yep, don't believe in it either. Um, you know, isn't it funny that when you when you uh, brush your teeth, it says do not swallow the fluoride, spit it out and rinse your mouth out. And what the heck are they putting industrial um, grade uh, fluoride in water when it in our drinking water when you have world leading dentists and orthodontists saying that there's absolutely zero benefit to humans and their and their dentistry by having this stuff in our water but we do know that 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 Nazi Germany used it to um, to make uh, prison populations compliant and placid and that was followed up by the use of the of Soviet Russia to do the same thing with its civilian populations so it's actually about um, you know, putting this this neurotoxic agent in our water to make us dumber, not think clear, and ultimately, you know, it's population reduction if it makes you sick. It's got to go. 
That's right. So now, incidentally, ladies and gentlemen, the active ingredient in 1080 is fluoride. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, dump it in, dump it in the thing, kill everybody. Now, what about uh, fractional reserve banking? Yep. So um, absolutely, I've, I actually speak about these things during my live presentations. So fractional reserve banking, as you know, is is absolutely corrupt at its core because the whole basis of fractional reserve banking is that they lend money and make money through what's called usury, with only having ten percent of the of the uh, of the value of what they lend out. For example, if you've got ten million, if they've got ten million in their bank, if they can lend out a hundred million. And that's all they they just need ten percent of it. And that's why it's called fractional reserve banking because they only need a fraction of it. But it's also more than that because what it does is they can they can print money off it for quantitative um, easing using using uh, printed money to, to uh, monetize debts. And what does that do? Of course, that ramps up inflation and that makes slavery out of the population because you have to work twice as hard to get less for your dollar. And that's uh, we can't stand for that. So, you know, all these types of things like this uh, video um, are not being spoken of by other parties. And I don't know if they really understand what the what, what this all means. I know that the social credit um, um, party talk about monetary reform and we've spoken to social credit about that and um, and tried to, to invite them into our umbrella. And once we um, confirm what we're going to today, um, I'm going to bring uh, Chris back up and Amanda and say, hey, you guys, you guys have tried for 73 years to get into into uh, Parliament and it hasn't worked. And the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over again never, and expecting a, the same result. Let's combine and let's really kick this ball out of the park and and, and into the goal and uh, and get the results to bring our country back into serving the people, our government. Now, uh, when the American Revolution happened in 1776, the majority of the supplies that were actually given to the revolutionary soldiers were given by hemp farmers, actually. All their gauzes, all their uniforms, all the things that they used to fight disease, feed the troops and things of that nature. If it weren't for hemp, the American Revolution would never have happened. So what's your stance on uh, cannabis and hemp? Oh, look, I mean, number one, um, I mean, let's be let's be uh, frank and honest here. Um, I grew up with with a with a family culture where everyone um, used uh, recreational cannabis. I did when I was a kid. I got caught with a with a small roach outside the glue pot when I was 16, 17. And, um, you know, for me, it's, um, you know, I don't think New Zealand's quite ready for full legalization. What I would agree with is the criminalization so that people aren't um, criminalised for having something that is essentially a, a garden herb. Um, I don't use it. I, I mean, I would recommend that people don't use it. Um, drink lots of water, be healthy, eat, eat eat good food, and get a buzz out of life. That's that's what I stand for. But I don't believe that um, that this is that cannabis in itself uh, represents any greater threat than drinking too much Jack Daniels, and certainly a lot less than than the dreaded and, and absolutely dastardly you know, methamphetamine that's out there that the government still hasn't cracked down and promised to do it, and they still haven't. So I'm dead, I'm dead against um, criminalising people that, that, that do that. But what I definitely am for is that people need to have it as an option um, for medicinal purposes. I believe that it needs to be made readily available for people instead of relying on things like Ritalin to keep themselves calm and other synthetic pain relief. They can use, they can use cannabis to do the same thing. I mean, my, my autistic son, who was damaged by by um, by the MMR, um, he's on Ritalin now, and we're trying to find out other other ways to, to help this kid who's now 20, and I'd be a big uh, starter for him to be trialling, um, you know, the cannabis alternative. I really think that's uh, something we need to go because, you know, they want to get these kids that they've created all around the world, massive populations of, of vaccine-damaged kids, then they're putting them on Ritalin and other synthetic drugs, drugs which again keeps them enslaved to the pharmaceutical um, nightmare. And so um, I believe that cannabis is a, is a, is a, real, um, um, a real alternative, and I think what we need to do is recognise it in its proper place. And that's my whole stance on natural, um, natural um, treatments and that for diseases, because I don't believe for one second that natural human health is arrived at just through a needle or a swallowing of a pill. And what about 5G and electronic pollution? Oh, yeah, okay. And I, I, and I want to acknowledge right now the, the great work that um, that Sue Gray from the Outdoors Party did the other week down in Wellington at the Beehive. Actually, I'll stop, um, I'll stop you there. Yes. Yep. Thank you, Sue. Thank you. You've done a, an amazing job for this country. You, you, oh, my God. But, yes, go ahead. No, it's absolutely. And... Um, and 
you know, the information that was submitted there was clear and concise that this government has allowed a, a an industrial sector, i.e. the telco sector, to define what health impacts and health um, protocols should be applied to to 5G and how it's assessed and its potential negative impacts on the, on the population. They've redefined it uh, crookedly. They've allowed the telco to set its own perimeters, and they're saying that, uh, and by definition of of this legislation, which is allowing 5G, that the standards of of health and safety are met. But what they don't mention you is that mention to you is that it's been redefined at a lot lower um, standard than any other legislation in New Zealand. And I felt that Sue pointed that out uh, very clearly. And the thing that disturbed me about watching that is how um, how ignorant the politicians and the MPs were that were sitting there to the message. And so what it proved to me is that enough of advocating from outside the government, we've got to change it from within the government. And I want to just, um, you know, I want to say to Sue, so, you know, we need to we need to work together. Sue has somehow become my, my arch enemy out there, and we don't understand why we've got we've got one objective, and that's to get rid of 5G, rid of 1080, save our doors, allow firearms owners to have the rights to their firearms in a licensed um, in a licensed manner, and um, and we need to we need to come together to, to again to get this government out and protect ourselves. So I'm definitely against 5G. I want to mention to people who don't know anything about it that there are 180 scientists in Europe right now that are leading a massive um, protest against 5G. And, of course, the European Union Parliament is in Brussels and Belgium, and they've banned 5G because, as the environmental minister said, she cannot, in good faith, allow 5G to roll roll out across Belgium uh, without knowing in her heart that it's safe to do so. She couldn't do that, so she's banned it. So why aren't our politicians protecting us New Zealanders in the same way? Internet freedom. Oh, yeah, of course, that's another big one. And as you know, I'm suffering um, through um, Facebook, New Zealand's censorship of, of my Facebook page, uh, where I can't do live broadcasts from it. That's why people haven't been hearing from me as much as they should, but we fixed the, fixed the solution around that, so that's going to step up again. Um, so Tracy Martin, New Zealand First MP, has introduced the Internet's um, uh, filtering bill. It's um, I had been advised the other day that it had been passed through, but it hasn't yet. And so that will happen. Uh, this government does not put up its own bills for them not to go through, and that's not democratic. And it's very, um, you know, in its very way that they're behaving, behaving, and behaving. And that's that's got me highly concerned that this government that's so untrustworthy, that um, does things by stealth and deception, is now going to define for you and I what is objectionable. And if they consider what you post on your online platform is objectionable by their definition, they're just going to close you down. Or find you up to two hundred thousand dollars. So, so that's what you know. New Zealand First has done in coalition with the Greens, along with ACT, and uh, along with Labour, of course. And I just want to pull the rug out from from the ACT leader, David Seymour. Um, when the COVID nineteen health response bill was finally passed into law, um, he came in at the on his big white horse, his big white steed, and his shiny armour to say. Oh, look, you know, on the third reading, I stand up against this undemocratic law. It's the worst thing ever. I stand up against it. And he tried to be the big the big hero. But sorry, David, you actually said yes on the reading one and reading two to this bill. If he really felt that strongly about it, he should have objected to it from day one, and he didn't. So that makes him a liar in my book. Birth certificates, a lodial title to land, and corporate law. Yeah, exactly. So we're having those discussions at the moment because people are, of course, aware that New Zealand is essentially a corporation. So um, when you break break down into um, international corporatism in, in terms of this context versus commercial corporatism, we need to unpack all of that because, of course, that's when you start getting into loss of sovereignty or gaining of sovereignty, whichever way that you want to look at it and what you're pursuing. But what we want to do is make sure that in whatever type of arrangement that we're in, that the sovereignty and the way that this corporation uh, New Zealand Inc. is being ran, and at the moment we've got foreign interests um, dictating the directors of our board that runs this corporation, and it's uh, and it's and it's untrustworthy and proving so because it's hostile to our to our rights and freedoms, and that needs to be stood up against right now. Otherwise, we're going to lose our country. Now, uh, allodial titles uh, to land and things of that nature, land that the, you own, that the government can't just kick you off of. Do you support that idea coming back? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there is. I mean, I've I've spoken to 
up up north where I live, I met a really interesting gentleman who lives on a on a mountain, and he's got this land that he lives on with his with his whanau family, um, homeschooler like like my wife and I, and really interesting guy. And what he did was he actually took that stance with the local um, local council and said he wasn't going to pay his rates. And they tried every trick in the book on him to get him to pay, even turning up with police and all that. But he had his had his titles, he had his sovereignty uh, paperwork there, and he totally disarmed them and got away with it. And to my knowledge, he still hasn't paid uh, paid any rates. So I think what we need to do when we when we get into parliament, we need to look at all these types of agreements. As one of my um, NZPP colleagues um, has advised me, there are no less than twelve um, founding documents. Um, that this country has been operating on since its um, since its birth, um, and we need to actually bring those up back onto the table. So, which includes the or titles, and we need to um, we need to uh, deal with them and find out what they consist of, and see if they really work, and if they will serve the people being free to do what they want to do with their land. Because ultimately, in Agenda 2030, again, you know, this country will hand over our sovereignty to a program, which will dictate to us landowners what we can do with our land. And ultimately, if you don't comply and they raise the rates on you, they'll try and shift you out because that's the entire entire purpose of, re, of, of, of Agenda 2030 is to get people off their own land. And we're not going to stand for that either. The social credit system in China uh, coming, coming to New Zealand, being proposed by the Greens. Yeah, I mean, look, every, every week the Greens just further um, swallow that big, big foot um, um, down their throats. They put. I mean, I'm. I mean, I'm absolutely astounded that people still think that the uh, the Green Party is not just a um, environmental arm of the Labour government of the Labour Party itself. They, they've absolutely capitulated themselves into the uh, into the Labour totalitarianism uh, philosophy that they've got. They are no longer the Green Party that it was when it first started out years ago. Um, that I used to support when I was younger. Um, they are completely something different. I mean, people didn't, don't know this, but once upon a time, they used to have on their website pushing that, pushing Agenda 2030. But as soon as they got got pulled up about it, they, then they pulled it out and just rewrote it and put it back in, but it wasn't called Agenda 2030. So these guys are enemies to us, and the idea of a social credit system like that is just terrifying, and we need to get rid of that as well. And that's what I mean, this entire government Whichever way you look at it, the coalition partners, all of them are about controlling us, getting us into further debt and um, making us sicker, trying to force things on us that we don't want for ourselves or our children. And um, I'm sorry, but, you know, any free thinking and freedom loving New Zealander needs to uh, wake up to this threat and uh, deal with it and get these guys out. Full stop. Absolutely. And uh, just to illustrate that point, I did, in fact, take screenshots of uh, the Green Party's website. Here it is. There are their specific policy points. Number one, sustainable development. And it's all based right there on Agenda 21, ladies and gentlemen. And then I took a screenshot of it and exposed the fact that they were doing that. And then they removed it from the website. Luckily, I also Uh. took this screenshot of their definitions. The Agenda 21, the United uh, Nations Action Plan for Sustainability. Sustainable development ratified in 1992, just to make sure that they weren't talking about some other Agenda 21, ladies and gentlemen. They are knowingly, willingly deceiving you and trying to bring about global communism. That is the Greens' plan, and it's Labour's plan, and it's National's plan, and it's New Zealand's first plan, and it's Act's plan. Those are every single parliamentary member right now in the House is up with this uh, globalist plan. So that means NZPP, in my opinion, needs to not be thinking about small potatoes. We not we, we shouldn't be thinking about going for 5%. We need to be going to for 51%, all right? Because uh, if any of these other parties get in, uh, we're going to be in trouble, right? That's 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 kind of where I was thinking about that. Uh, now, further issues, uh, income taxes. Yeah, so so thanks for that because that's something I've started talking about with um, with Carl Peterson and um, also my my um, economist advisor from Melbourne. He's a great Kiwi over there working on on economies and um, and tax tax programs over there. He's a neat guy, 
And uh, I'm very serious about looking at all forms of tax and how that works in New Zealand because it seems to me that there are there are some areas that are completely left unaddressed that need to be um, GST on food items, which affects the family's ability to be able to buy nutrition and nutritious food. It really disturbs me. And you know, there's there's other ways of offsetting taxes and keeping revenue receding um, up without having to make people poorer. And that's exactly what, you know, that type of sensibility is not being applied here. Why? Because it's not in the interest of the fractional reserve banking system, like we said earlier, because, you know, if they can get us all into debt and our country into debt, then we are just caught in this in the continuing cycle of um, of slavery and, you know, indebted slavery that we, that we deal with every day. And so what I want to do is look at... Um, um, corporate tax and commercial taxes as, as well, because if we've got big multinational companies over here earning loads of money off our people and off our off our produce, then they need to be contributing to our to our system and paying for it. There's no way there should be yeah, an, an excuse that um, oh they employ you know 500 people, 600 people to continually take out money out of our country, and that we should you know have a good slice of it left here. So. Um, and that's not to be anti-business. I want to support good business, and but it's got to be done in a. I'm not going to use that word fair because that's that you know that can be interpreted anyway. But it's got to be done on a, on a commercial basis that works for the for New Zealanders. Full stop. Hate speech laws. Yeah, well, I tell you what. Um, if if um, if I was an advocate for that, I'd be wanting to get rid of all the trolls and all the people that call me these names and that. But you know what? I actually defend their right. To um, to disagree with me, I defend their right wholeheartedly to um, to to not support me or whatever. But please don't do it disrespectfully. You don't need to do that. This guy Baz that called me an asswipe today and all that sort of nonsense. That's just disrespectful, whichever way that you call it. And and if you want to engage me, do so with respect and and talk to me in the right way, like I will you. But ultimately, you know, hate speech by the government's definition is a very unsafe thing. If it's if it's silly things like you know, blatant all-out threats, I'm going to come to your place and shoot you and kill all your family. That, things like that can't stand. And that's just sensible. But when is hate speech actually a covert manoeuvre by the government to control speech against them or control speech against um, anything that really uh, needs to be commented on, regardless of whether the government agrees with it or not? And it disturbs me that Andrew Little wrote up the, these hate speech laws and then all of a sudden, you know, sometime later we have an internet censoring um, bill coming up, you know, that right there is is tyranny in its in verity because they are now going to be able to not only define from an objectionable point of view um, what you're saying is, is is appropriate or not, but they can also lock you up if they consider it for um, as hate speech. So I'm, I'm against hate speech uh, laws, but I'm, I'm all for blooming people being decent in the way that they communicate with people. And I think you know, when we were kids, uh, Vinny, you know, when we were growing up, if someone swore online and all that or on TV, it was bleeped out and it was done away with and, and that didn't involve needing to introduce a law. So we just need to be sensible in the same way uh, because I would absolutely wholeheartedly defend someone's right to disagree with me. Uh, forced vaccines. Well, that's an absolute easy one and that's what we can see coming down the pipeline if this government hasn't stopped. You know, the... the You'll see that this government has been very, very clever in the way that it's trying to cultural, you know, entrench this cultural new language of, you know, the new normal. We can't go back to the new normal unless we all get vaccinated um, and all those sorts of things. So um, I stand against uh, mandatory anything, really. Uh, my view on vaccination is that I had a very smarty pants uh, party secretary of another party say to me the other day, oh, you're not an anti-vaxxer, are you? And I said, well, no, actually, I'm a pro-choice person because ultimately it comes down to that again, freedom of choice. And if they want to um, turn around and say to, say to me, oh, look, do you want to be vaccinated or not, or your children to be vaccinated, I want to know that I can legally say, no, I decline it, I refuse it, thanks very much, have a good day, go away. But if anything of a law turns up and says, well, sorry, mate, we uh, we listened to your objection and, and your decline, your declination of this opportunity, but sorry, mate, over the COVID-19 health response bill, we're going to take you and your family without warrant and perform a medical examination and procedure on you. And and that reminds me is that I had a, I had a lady for about three days try and berate me on Facebook about whether... Um, the COVID-19 health response bill actually has the word medical procedure in it because I'd said medical procedure in my presentations. Now, this smart lady, instead of focusing on what it is that I'm here to do, which is to serve the people and get this government out and put an honest government in, 
was having me on for about three days of whether, um, you know, the it was the, the term medical exam, examination versus medical procedure. Well, she's right. It does say examination. But however, I would say to you, and I have been first aid trained. I'm a former first aider um, and first responder. Um, I would say to you very clearly that if someone's going to put a, a, a longer than six-inch COVID-19 swab through your nasal package so that it goes right up to the top and into the back of your throat system, I'd pretty much say very clearly that that's a medical procedure right there. Anything less than, than agreeing with that is just isn't, just isn't smart. So people that are having a go about that um, aren't really clued up or, or just using semantics to try and distract me from my main goal here, which is to, which is to protect our country. Carbon taxes and climate change. Yeah, complete. Again, an, another another red herring, another scam. Um, I have no um, no belief in that whole carbon trading system. I really don't. I mean, look at. I mean, just again, it's the it's the chain of of playing as actors, players and actors involved in this. Who was one of the people that helped set up this whole system? Was who was it? Not Vice President Al Gore, who's gone on to make hundreds of millions of dollars. Uh, from his carbon trading company and for setting this all up. One of the things that I haven't if been I able... If I may, uh, yep. his carbon trading company, he, he went into it with another guy named Blood and they and they called it Blood that's and right. Gore. That's exactly right. That's ex- Thanks for reminding me on that, but yeah, that's right. I mean, Blood and Gore, doesn't that say say, say it? They, they even laugh about it in our faces. But the... the I mean, one of the questions that, that I want to know um, a very, very clear and full answer to uh, is where does this where does this money go? Where does this carbon money go? What, what is it going towards? And I guarantee you, it's going to the UN. It's going to billionaires that are that have set up this this um, fraudulent system, and it's all about funding you know all sorts of um, insidious programs against the global populace, and that includes um, bringing in a, the you know the United Nations agendas twenty one and twenty thirty. And, um, and I just want to mention to people that really Agenda 2030 is all about population reduction and population control. And if you're not aware of that, you need to be, because ultimately that's what, what the agenda is. Uh, which brings us on to eugenics. Well, eugenics, just ask Bill Gates about that, because he is the world's leader on the topic. Um, um, if anyone has done any research on Bill Gates, they'll know that his father is very much um, one of the, I guess, the, the, the type of founder, founding executive and planned parenthood USA, um, which is really a, a, a eugenics cover operation f- to, you know, to especially control the uh, population growth of African-Americans. And then when you go to examine what Bill Gates has been involved with in his immunization programs in Africa, you know, he got busted a few years ago um, along with the WHO. Um, using, um, they always say immunization rather than vaccination, um, or programs on Africans that, that sterilize African men and women. You know, so that's eugenics. Why? Because ultimately they see us, general people, as being the herd and those enlightened, illumined uh, people being in the uh, hierarchy. Which brings us on to secret societies. Oh my gosh, you're really firing them out to me. <laughs> so I'm just coming up with this as we go. So, and, no, we've, and we've only got a few minutes left, and, and I've only okay. got two more. So, and, and secret Alrighty. societies is one. So, all right, okay. Now, this is something that um, I've studied quite a, quite um, in depth, and um, I, I love absolutely blowing the lid on Freemasons. I really love that. But uh, you know, and all of the secret groups like uh, the Bilderbergers, the Club of Rome, Trilateral. Trilateral Commission, Council of Foreign um, Foreign Relations, all those CFR, all of those. I'm I'm really big on talking about them and Freemasonry, Freemasonry and all that. I mean, one of our goals um, within our team, and we've got um, my, my dear friend and fellow director uh, Michael Stace, who used to work for them, and he knows in New Zealand when he first came to New Zealand, and he knows exactly what they're about. Ultimately, in New Zealand, most of them, these old boys, are about. Um, drinking too much on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights and going home and after eating some of the, the cheap meals at the lodge and all that, just like they used to do on the Flintstones with Barney and Fred. But um, it's the upper echelon of the Freemasonry uh, system that you have to w- worry about. Really, from the nothing starts to happen in terms of the, of the real uh, creepy stuff happens really until a, a mason that's past the 28th degree, especially the 30th degree. 
31, 32, and then the 33rd degree is a is an honorary degree, and beyond that you can go right up beyond that, right up into the into the 80s, which no one took notes about really. Um, and of course, you become a shriner, you get invited to be a shriner. But people need to know that these Freemasons that are around the world, they really are involved in a lot of what we talk about. Most of them are. Our former presidents of the United States, prime ministers around the world, you name it, they're all in there. And so we need to absolutely um, have inquiries about what these people are and what they're doing in government situations so that we can protect ourselves from any um, insidious plan. But again, when you go into where these people are, almost every president of the United States has been a Freemason and a high degree Freemason. So that's a 33rd degree Freemason. And when you're at that level within Freemasonry, you know exactly who it is they serve and it isn't God. Yeah. In fact, we will have a Freemasonic expert and uh, the first whistleblower from the uh, Dallas Scottish Rite building. Uh, James Wright will be uh, coming on the show uh, either this Thursday or this Friday, New Zealand time. Tomorrow we have Rosa Corey about yeah. Agenda 21. Now, on the uh, the bread and butter of Agenda 21 is public-private partnerships. What's, what's yes, your opinion on those? Well, private um, public partnerships are really the, the right hand of the left hand of socialism. So, as I said in one of my very first broadcasts um, on Facebook, is that the um, that the strength of fascism comes from the right. Why? Because you need free market a free market economy that has uh, can facilitate major national corporations who end up running the world's supply of just about anything, whether it be oil, whether it be money supply, whether it be seeds whether it be um, any type of produce. So what they need to do to control um, population bases um, um, for the left, they need to introduce fascism, corporate fascism, where you have multinationals that come in um, and um, become partners of the of the government enterprise and they enter into these public-private partnerships which end up uh, being controlled by the private investor. And I've got to say, in a compliant way from the government partner, because ultimately ultimately, what the government part, partner wants to do is let that corporate power take all the all the heat for doing what they want them to do. And that's been proven. I always uh, mention the, uh, the the Bolivian water wars, wars in Bolivia in the 90s, where um, the country had gotten very big, bad debt with the IMF and World Bank. They couldn't pay it back in, in the right um, way that they had agreed to. So what does IMF and World Bank do? They introduce a private investor to come in and buy the Bolivian water in- infrastructure. This this part, party comes in, starts ramping up the costs for poor um, Bolivians to buy their own water, and that led to a revolution where the people had had enough, they couldn't afford their own water. And, you know, 40 people were killed, 800 people wounded, and it was, you know, it was a disaster. And that's a good example of of, um, of fascism and how it works through the private-public pub, pub, uh, partnership. And it happens in India as well when you have Monsanto go over there, does a deal with the um, Indian government to supply um, Monsanto seeds to farmers, which puts them into in slavery. So they were actually getting dealt to at the moment over in India. And again, on that note, Bill Gates, who's a big investor in Monsanto, has also done that with um, with the polio vaccine programs, which he's done over there and been caught out for. All right, I'm going to have to combine all three here. Breakdown of the family unit, SIFs being used as human trafficking and pedophile uh, 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 suppliers, and mass surveillance of the population. Well, okay. <laughs> well, let's deal with them. Let's deal with the surveillance one first, because um, that's exactly what 5G is about. 5G is a is a is a hyper strengthened um, te- technological tool, so that they can they will have the the ability to to follow everyone. They're already starting to apply facial recognition um, in the way their policing is done in New Zealand. Um, whenever you see a um, a street camera. Um, out on the road there, you're going you're gonna to see 5G um, technology applied so that they can instantly track and trace you and peer right into you. But it's not only um, track and tracing, they're going to use that as a weapon system against us and that's why 5G needs to be stopped where it is and looked at because mass surveillance really in itself uh, without without a warrant and due process should be made illegal because you know, one of the things that we're dealing with with NZPP is that we know that we're being listened to we know that we're being watched, and I don't know if any other parties are going through that, but we certainly are, and that's because of the huge impact that we've made here. Just on that note, Vinny, um, we're almost we'll be clicking 3,000 members, um, probably tomorrow registered members of our party, and that makes us the largest. I would say the largest of the minor parties by far. Um, even New Zealand First only has 700 registered members. Um, we've had over a million engagements in the message that we're saying, and so we've 
put a, a huge target on our back. So I'm against mass surveillance, and we need to, and that's again part of the lack of integrity and honesty in government. Um, now, what was the other two? The other one was uh, the breakdown <laughs> of the family unit, how important it is, and also child, yeah. youth, and family services and uh, pedophiles and 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 what kind of thing. Right. Okay. So number one, I'm deeply concerned to hear information that a thousand children have gone missing in the system. Um, that to me um, has to be immediately investigated. We need to find out where these kids are. We need to establish their safety and whereabouts now, yesterday, sometime. Um, but we need to we need to ensure the veracity of this um, of these claims to make sure that uh, that 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 a that it's happened and then where the heck have these kids gone? You know, that's that's the immediate thing that we need to go into and if these um, um, examples of uh, pedophilia going on we need to hold these uh, these perpetrators accountable and we need to prosecute them but we need to find out where these where these babies are I've got six kids and two grandchildren and my, my heart reaches when I hear anything like this so we need to get to the bottom of that um, family unit um, to me you know the whole thing about the United Nations is that they want to destroy the family unit they want to destroy nationalism um, turn your child, um, into an indoctrinated puppet, so that they don't value the the uh, the family unit with the rights of the father to be the head of the household along with the mum, and and that's why they bring in these things like the rights of the child, where they think it's right for for young kids to look at pornography, you know that's where they say that there's got to be an anti-smacking bill, you know the whole the whole thing they know if they can have an unstable country, it starts with uns- with destabilising the family unit. And that's um, and that's something that needs to be addressed and, and and dealt with honestly and openly, so that we can have ha- happy, healthy families, and uh, and safe whānau, and also uh, ones that can live in healthy homes, eat good food, and uh, and work hard and be rewarded for it. And this entire system that we're against, that we're dealing with and being threatened by now, is what we're up against. And if uh, you know, and and the I guess one of the casualties that that we can see immediately is the family unit. So we must. We must stand to uh, to um, to work on this as a as a collective. I think. And the final line in the sand is: Do you believe that government and police should have a monopoly on force, and that uh, New Zealanders should be disarmed? Not at all. I mean, I said this the other day when I had a um, when I had an interview with someone else about firearms. I mean, the big problem with with, with firearms is is not with the uh, with the licensed firearms owners, it's with the criminals that have them and use them for violent crime, or any 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 person that might be mentally unwell who walks down Queen Street and shoots up a bunch of shops and people with it. That, that that's the that, those are the things that we need to look at and and deal with. It's not the licensed fire firearms owners; they're not the problem at all. But you know, again, if they can, if the, if a totalitarian um, government can remove um, firearms from the citizens, and we talked about this last time. Uh, Vinny, you know they've got they've got a population that they control without they can control without threat, and that's a that's a definite um, red flag for me. Um, and so really, I defend every firearms owner in New Zealand. I am weapons trained myself. I've done a lot of weapons training in my time, and I believe that safe handling of weapons of firearms and weapons um, is the right, and that's part of democracy. And but everyone that has a firearm needs to be licensed. Billy TK, ladies and gentlemen, holy cow! Did, okay, ladies and gentlemen, have you ever heard any interviewer give those topics and questions up for discussion? And have you ever heard any politician not dodge them like a frick? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so, so there you go. Um, I think we started off this show by t- by talking about the accusations against you, and we spent the uh, the last half hour of the show basically going through almost everything that I could think of that's tied to the new world order agenda that's currently affecting New Zealand and her people. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to reclaim New Zealand for all the people. Billy, final words. Well, just uh, thank you to everyone. If I may, uh, just before you give those final words, (laughs) include some thanks and appreciation, especially for the listeners here as well, guys. Absolutely, and that's where I was going. So I just want to thank um, all the people out there that are supporting us. This movement is like nothing that that New Zealand politics has ever seen. Uh, we have got a, a wonderful team of people that are so dedicated, putting their hearts, their lives, their minds, their money on the line to make this happen on, on, on your behalf. To all the people that, that um, aren't sure about me, come and see me and talk to me at our events. I'm here for everyone. 
there's nothing to hide, nothing to worry about with me, and I want you to plumb and know this, and the only way that you're going to do that is by talking to me. Don't send me um, hate messages and expect me to respond to them. That's not going to work, and I don't have the time to deal with those, but I'm willing every time to receive a phone call. My phone number <laughs> is public um, information, and I get them all the time, and um, calls from people. I just had two calls before I went on air uh, with, with, with Trish um, and, um, and Paul from Gisborne, and um, just, to, just to give them the time with them that they needed to hear from me in person. And um, get them behind this movement. This is your movement. You know, let's not um, be divisive and and believe what the um, party paid trolls are saying. You know, it's just ridiculous. I think um, our interview today with, with Vinny, I think, has dealt with every um, type of accusation that I've had. So I'm really grateful for that, Vinny. It's a heck of a surprise, but it was a good mental workout for me. Um, I'm in Tauranga tonight, whānau, at the um, at the Trust Stadium tonight. Um, we're really looking forward to that and really hope that you'll come in and support it. We want everyone to come in, and I want to be able to meet you and shake your hand and, and talk to you in person. But please get in behind this movement. We've got one shot, one shot. It's this election, and if we don't take it, unite and keep behind this movement and get us well over that 10 15% threshold then really we're going to lose our country and none of the other parties are standing up like this and none of them have the platform. We are now the biggest uh, minor party out of all of them and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to take, it, take it out, but we need your help to do it. Thanks, guys. One shot is all we need, folks. Yeah. Any sniper will tell you. Now, thank you very much, Billy, for, <laughs> for coming on the show. And, uh, thank and, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for supporting me all these years. Yesterday on the, uh, on the ride home uh, from uh, looking at the car, I, I mentioned one of my listeners, Chris, who's been supporting me for over a decade with regular automatic payments into the Kiwi Bank. And I just realised that there were so many people like that, so many people that have been supporting me all this time. They get nothing back for it except terrible jokes. And, 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 and they... <laughs> And and they and they don't seem to be terribly upset about that. So again, thank you all the listeners, and uh, have a look in the description uh, for those Kiwi Bank PayPal and a Patreon details. The PayPal email is gorillamedia seven seven at gmail .com. and we need approximately sixty dollars uh, donated into the PayPal today to cover our running costs, and we need approximately three hundred dollars uh, into the Kiwi Bank by the end of the week uh, to all the running costs there, ladies and gentlemen. So. Any help you can be, ladies and gentlemen, much, much appreciated. And you know how you always say ladies and gentlemen, right, right, Billy? And um, I was just thinking about with all this um, BS, trans, transgender, blah, 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 it's like 0.006% of the population or something that everybody's getting upset about or whatever. So it's like, am I going to be legally required to change the, uh, the, the, the opening to my show? Ladies, gentlemen, and mm -hmm. Welcome to the Vinny Eastwood Show. You know, that, that, that may be it. But in either case, thank you very much, Billy. And ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for listening to the Vinny Eastwood Show. The lighter side of genocide. Just because we're being exterminated doesn't mean we can't make it fun. Otherwise, what's the point of being killed? The Vinny Eastwood Show. Where the only thing worse than living in a high-tech global police state is Vinny's jokes.